Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The following is a KMOX Sports Special. Welcome to the St. Louis City Soccer Report. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to our downtown studios. I'm Jennifer Cease alongside Nate Gatter and George Gansner as we continue some laws of the game talk about the city game last night. And then I think also, too, maybe about some of the play in general, George. So picking up on this side, um, I know we talked about many of the plays that you really see a lot of in the highlights, right? So the stuff that leads to a uh, penalty kick or certain fouls and free kicks. But I thought one that I wanted to call out was at the 27th minute. Stroud takes on a yellow coming in, as, as the uh, Apple analyst uh, Ross said, flying challenge. Happens to also hit Nerwinski in the process. Fragapani then rolls around like a baby a little bit and, you know, had to, had to, quote, jump to avoid. I don't know that he really had to jump. But, you know, people looking for stuff there, a lot of arms up in the air. And, and, and you know, we, we manage it with a yellow. What else is happening in that moment? There's really a lot going on in that segment right there. Um, so you've got Fragapani, who again twenty, would you say twenty seventh minute, twenty third minute, yeah, twenty seventh, like yeah. Um, that that he's already on a yellow card. Okay, he's already committed another f- heavy foul right at midfield on Giacchini, um, or Giacchini. Sorry if I mispronounce <laughs> his name. Um, our our seven year old who's with us here today, just outside in the window, uh, can't do it. So he is forever in our household. Zucchini. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's heard that before. But... It's the only zucchini she likes. So she likes zucchini. <laughs> um, but but so there's you know you've got that those two situations that have happened with him, and so so for for one of our players to kind of maybe go after him a little bit is completely reasonable, right? Even though he's got a yellow card. This is a case where he didn't get hit at all. So a lot of people think that maybe this is not a foul because there's no contact. How can this possibly be a foul? Um, Stroud goes in really heavy, really heavy. And and if he connects, um, it's we're yellow, orange, red, right? And there's no such thing as an orange card, but that's just the obvious color between yellow and red, meaning it's almost red. Um, and that's actually really kind of the case for... Um, uh, the yellow card on Tim Parker last night. I, that's that's a borderline red card. Um, I, I've talked with a number of people about it. And honestly, the first 15, 16 years in the league, that's high, highly likely a red card. We've had some maturity both at the referee level and the player level that they understand. They used to, stuff like that used to happen in the league, Tim Parker's challenge, and you'd have a melee, right? And and last night you have no melee. I think even in the in the frame, you see the, the Minnesota player smiles. Don't know what he's smiling about, but... Um, at the end of the day, that was borderline red card, not just yellow. And so those are the kinds of things that you go mean in. Parkers, Parkers, yeah, Parkers, yeah. Parkers, not Strouds. Strouds, again, he jumps. He's totally missed. Fragapani is. Um, but there's a lot going into that decision. 
And the yellow card to Stroud is as much of a, hey, it's time for everybody to settle down here as it is anything else. But yeah. the, it's totally legit. I'm, I'm really good with that one. Yeah, Parker's came at the 60th minute right around there where, you know, when you were watching it, we mm-hmm. were you know watching it on Apple TV, and I heard you on the couch say, you know, that was yellow, borderline red. Um, it was a pretty, it was two legs, not just two feet in, it was two legs in, all body tackle, and we're going to shield the ball. We don't touch the ball at all in that. Yeah, it wasn't a two-legged tackle, per se. Well, right? both it legs was, were at him, right? Um, well, his right leg was bit, at him. The left leg trailed. The, okay. They both got him, but the left leg trailed. The right leg got him. Um, but it was his knee was locked. His ankle was locked. The bottom of his studs are showing. He raises his foot afterwards, so he's clearly going for the player, not necessarily the ball. I thought initially he got the ball watching it on the replay. He didn't get the ball at all. It just happens to be there. Um, so there's there's really a lot going on with that one as well. So Stroud, to to that point about the Stroud challenge, even where he doesn't make contact, Stroud knows exactly what he's doing there, especially given the context of the game. Right? There's no doubt when you watch that that Stroud is going in with, I don't want to overstate it, but he's got bad intentions of some level. Maybe they're, they're yellow card bad intentions. And Stroud also has, and I say this with love, he has sort of that reputation already, even in six games with City, that he might not be the biggest guy, but he's a little bit of an enforcer. He's gonna be he's gonna be a pest, he's gonna be difficult, right? He's got that he sees that as part of his role to he and be Fragapani, we're we're yeah. kind of to get on each side, we're kind of twins, you know, mirror images of each other doing the same pain right. in the neck things. He's kind of a problem child in that way. And I love players like that. Sure. So I'm not there's no knock on him. To what degree do you develop a reputation as well with referees that makes them sort of keep an eye, a closer eye on somebody like Jared Stroud or Fragapani? Yeah, you do. So the referees' preparation, you, you're talking about players and what they're, what's going on with them. I mean, you can't, you don't know unless you really know because it is in the media that somebody uh, flew across the country on a red eye because their wife had a baby the night before, or um, and all of those things can come into play as to how you manage players. But when you have somebody like Jared who is becoming a little bit of a gnat, and that's a good thing, right? It's not a bad thing. Um, the referees will start to pick up on this. And my hope is that they also start to manage him a little bit, right? Is that they'll have conversations with him early. They'll make a run by him early on if they start to see that he's starting to get a little chippy. Because the um, goal is to keep them in the game. Absolutely. It, it, that has been kind yeah. of, I understand from from when you were in the game is, which was weird. I mean, I being trained as a youth referee, it was more like looking for, <laughs> it's like, get rid of that one and get rid of that one. And <laughs> let's get rid of that one and let's take it out too. You know, and, and who along the sidelines can go? That's what that's the way I looked at it. But you're on the on the professional level for sure. You're looking and, and I see that also. You know, we know Sam Chan, a lot of youth referees who really do work with the players to say, you know, the whole goal is to keep you in the game. They do, and it is, right? And and um, the, the youth referees have a really big challenge. In the stadium, it's really simple. From the time you get there until the time you leave, you have security with you, right? It's really, really rare if something's going to happen because security's right there. At the youth level, they don't have that. And, and so um, there's a little bit more tension there because a lot of the parents are yelling, the parents are not happy, the parents are paying a lot of money for their kid to play in the program, and now they're not winning or they're not playing, and the referee makes maybe a bad decision, legitimately a bad decision, and then they yell a little bit more, and, and it, the level, and they have no security. Right. There's nobody there to keep somebody from going onto the field. No, for we the all referee. go to the same parking lot. Right. We're done. So so right. that's a big challenge for the local referees. And by local, I mean everywhere in the country local. Um, but at the youth level, that that's a big challenge for the, those people who are doing those games. And I'm, I have a ton of respect for um, anybody who wants to referee at the youth level uh, in any sport today because um, it's really hard. Yeah, that's something I think we're going to talk about a little bit more, you know, maybe next week 
um, as we go on with this in the future. A week when we have a little less controversy maybe in the game. We got to take a break so that we can come back and uh, and talk a little Florida noise with uh, Sam Wise Florida after noise. the break. Uh, we are excited about that. George, thanks so much for joining us. As always, we'll be back in a moment with more St. Louis City Soccer Report on KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, back to the St. Louis City Soccer Report on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis City Soccer Report. I'm Jen Cease, Nate Gatter alongside, and we're going to talk a little, well, Luligan section. So I, I want to just be clear that, like, whenever I go over there and I do some sideline reporting, I'm like, I'm in the Luligan section. But, you know, come to find out and come to learn, there are a lot of different makeup of that section, section, and we welcome Sam Wise with Fleur Denoise. Sam, thanks for joining the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so bring us up to speed. So I, you know, I've been there. I've gotten my mic pretty close to those drums, trying to gather a little bit of that when I get like, a, you know, 15 seconds to talk in between flow play and soccer, which is really, really hard. What is mm-hmm. the mission? What is the, the, the addition that Fleur Denoise gives that, that end section where the Luligans are? Yeah, so, you know, when you, when you look at soccer, you know, on a global scale, you know, supporters' culture is, is always present. It's always at the forefront, uh, and more often than not, it's always loud, right? <laughs> it so is, it is. <laughs> of, uh, one of the goals that we set out with uh, and kind of how we, how we drive ourselves, you know, is, is we want to be the, the heartbeat of the fans for the game. Uh, you know, in, in football, they talk about the, uh, you know, the 12th man in soccer, the 12th man. Uh but you talk talk to the players across other leagues, talk to some of these guys here at City as well, and the crowd energy really helps drive the game. You know, it, it helps pick up the pace. It gives the players an extra boost when they can hear everybody behind them, you know, and, and try to make something happen. So our, our goal is, is to keep the heartbeat going, to keep the noise going, and to keep the energy up. So, Sam, let's say there are some people, and I imagine there are at least one or two out there who have said, you know, I never really cared that much about soccer. I played when I was a kid, whatever, who cares? And now City have showed up, and these first six games, especially the first three home games, have looked like an awful lot of fun. And they're thinking, you know, I might want to get involved with that. And those crazy folks making all the noise seem like they're having more fun than anybody else. What can people do if they want to get involved with Luligans or specifically with Florida Noise? Uh, yeah, so, you know, the Luligans have a massive footprint, right? Uh, you know, and you, you can talk to any one of them or find any one of them at a game, uh, you know, and they'll they'll get you the, the in and the hookup. And we have the street party before every game. Uh, we have a, a little more of a process. Uh, you know, you just read. We're at the street parties. You can come talk to us. 
Um, all of our socials at Fleur de Noise, our website, fleurdenoise.com. Um, just fill out a form that says, hey, uh, you know, in a perfect world, it says something like, hey, I saw Sam. You're, you're the greatest drummer ever. I love it. I want to be like you. Uh, but That'll just, get you in, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, skip all the tests and everything. Uh, no, just a short form. Just, you know, tell us who you are, you know, why you want to be a part of it. Um, you know, we've got members in our group from all of the supporters groups that make up the North End. And we have supporter, uh, we have members that aren't directly affiliated with other supporters groups either. They're just people who want to make noise. You know, we have people who are there for the soccer. We have people who are there because they did it in college or they did it professionally. And this is a, a fun way to, you know, stay involved in that that kind of an environment. Uh, but it's as simple as just walking up and saying, hey, I did this. I want to be a part of you. You know, and then we, we shake hands and we take off from there. Well, let's talk about that wanting to make noise, because that is something you guys do really, really well. And I say this because um, last night um, I was unfortunately I was waiting in uh, the end. I was behind St. Clair waiting for us to come back down here and we got the PK. Right. And so your section goes into into high alert, goes into command, starts chance, keeps up chance. And sure enough, those chants make make it all the way from your end down to where I was behind the other goal. How does mm-hmm. that happen? How do you guys get it to ripple all the way across and around the stadium? Almost even better than the the old old school wave. Yeah, uh, we uh, we have the benefit of of being around for a while uh, through different leagues and different local teams that existed before City came around. Uh, you know, so we've. Uh, we were able to hit the ground running with this club, uh, kind of using what we've learned over the last 10 years uh, as far as chant building and, and what chants carry and how to get the crowd involved. And then another big piece of it, you know, like, like you pointed out, is timing. You know, it, some chants have really good driving energy, some chants build. Some well, I see them. I see them slower. listed on your page. Like, I'm going, I'm like, I've just known of, oh, St. Louis City. And then there's goals. Mm-hmm. There's when I see St. Louis. There's... Uh, Zhao Klaus. <laughs> There's all these chants. How do you pick it? How do you decide? Yeah, so we've got, uh, you know, we've got four guys down there at the front, uh, sometimes five, sometimes six, who, you know, you'll, you may see them holding up some signs and they've got megaphones on those stands down there. Uh, those guys are really the, the brain behind the order, you know, during a game. You know, they, they really try to feel out the crowd and, and they're, more often than not, their backs are to the to the field, right? So they're looking at the crowd, they're hearing the crowd, and really trying to pick the best chant for that moment. Uh, and, you know, Jao Klaus exploded when he opened his account with St. Louis City SC. He's probably you know the the most popular uh, player on the team or the most recognized player on the team. Uh, we didn't come in with any player chants, but uh, you know he plays some really good games to start the season, score some really good goals, and and they start rolling in chant suggestions from fans, from other groups for Jao Klaus. And, you know, we we sit down, we run them through, try to figure out what not only is what's, what's the fastest and easiest for us to learn, you know, but what is the crowd going to pick up on it? And we settled on kind of that, that here comes uh, Santa Claus rhythm because it's easy to pick up. Uh, so another piece of it there is, you know, listening to the fans, uh, you know, we are always out there talking to people about chants. People are coming up with chant ideas. Um, you know, and we really try to use those because, you know, we're trying to drive the energy. We're not trying to dictate the energy. You know, so 
it's an added benefit that we work, you know, with the rest of the the fans in the stadium and the the south end as well, you know, just to make sure that what we have they can pick up on and run with. Speaking of uh, of coming up with chances, things become bigger and bigger parts. You know, some some player catches the eye or something else comes into the vernacular. Uh, does that mean we might be getting a ravioli boys chant at some Ooh. point with uh, <laughs> with City on, on April Fool's Day putting out some of the oh. new ravioli boys merch? You know, I I don't know about all that. We uh, put out a pretty good uh, ravioli promo, uh, the club did, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to say I'm superstitious, but uh, maybe we lean lean too far into it. And not a lot of things rhyme, not a lot of things rhyme with ravioli anyway, so, you know, that that would be a big challenge. Yeah, no, I mean, the ravioli thing's definitely swept uh, the general fan base, right? And I love it. I think it's a pretty good gimmick. you know, but that may be something we look into. There, there's probably something there with marinara that we could work with. <laughs> Sam, this is George. Um, I was in the locker room last night with the referees, and there was the chant of, uh, I don't even know if I can say it on the radio, ref you. Oh, that's <laughs> so not in their list of chants. It's not in your list nope, of chants, but not there. I have a challenge for you, and this is not. It's kind of from the referee crew last night. Um, they said it's kind of getting old. It's everybody, every stadium, that's all they say oh, when, when it's to the referees, the referees. So they'd like to hear something different. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they, look, they they've, got the hardest, they've got the hardest job, right, out of everybody there. You know, they, they call it one way Minnesota wins. You know, you see how we react. They call it another way we win. You'll see how Minnesota reacts. Uh, it, it's definitely not uh, – it's not something that we we enjoy. It's something that we try to drive away from. Uh, you know, so when we're, we're back then, we're back to chance selection, right? Like, what can we do? What can we start that's going to cut through that and kind of get everybody to focus back on the game? Because, uh, we're, I mean, we're not there to critique the ref. We're not there to fill out a survey that says at the 72nd minute you missed a, a 50-50 <laughs> ball or no, something like chant, that, right? No, but a new chant to the referees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're looking for creative insults here. That's what that's what we want to hear. You know, the thing I was going to ask you about, Sam, is because Florida Noise and the, the Luligans in general started to bond with this team, even when it was St. Louis City too last year. Because you mm-hmm. talk about driving the energy and and you know bringing that, helping push that along. It's important at City Park to you know City are trying to build that great atmosphere, one of the best in the league or or even on the continent. At the same time, there you know it's sold out every game. It's going to be loud one way or the other. Playing at SIUE, sometimes you measured the crowd in the hundreds rather than at the, in the thousands, and the Luligans were relied upon to bring most or all of the noise. And Florida Noise obviously is is a chief noise opera uh, officer, if you will. How did that City Two season and the intimacy of those games at SLU and SIUE? form a bond between the supporter sections and the players that maybe is a little bit closer than it ordinarily would be for an expansion team. Yeah. I, I mean, first, as soon as we get off, I'm changing the title on my business card to chief noise officer. So I <laughs> appreciate that. I'm pretty uh, sure one of my kids has that, that title. So you may have to fight him for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it was, it was perfect. You know, in the same way that city used, uh, city two to bring in these guys and start those relationships and start getting people into the system. Uh, it, it was very much our practice ground as well. Right. So we, we spent several, several games just doing new chants, trying different beats, different rhythms. And uh, you know, if it, if it was a game, you know, one of those hot days that had a couple hundred people, you know, we weren't expecting that every section pick up on anything. Uh, 
but being in you know those main sections with the Luligans, with the other supporters groups, uh, we're able to really get a feel for what are they going to pick up on, and then you know when they pick up on it, their neighbor will pick up on it, the next section, and then it'll kind of federate through the crowd, right? So we really looked at City Two as a chance to to figure out how to elevate our organization, but also elevate our sound. That's Sam Wise. Sam Wise, get ready for the next game because I don't know what we're going to do with the Seattle Sounders. I hope that's going to be awesome. Then we come back here from Cincinnati, so that's another another call to come loud and proud back to the stadium and hopefully get another three points. Okay, we look forward to it every weekend. Great. Fleur de Noise, check them out on their website, on their socials. And when we come back from break, um, I had a chance to sit down with Becky Sauerbrunn, and I can't wait for that interview to air. You're listening to the St. Louis Soccer Report on KMOX. Now, back to the St. Louis City Soccer Report on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. We are joined by Becky Sauerbrunn, captain and defender for the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team, defender for the Portland Thorns FC in the NWSL, and a St. Louis native. Becky, thanks for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's no secret here in St. Louis, everybody knows that the U.S. Women's National Team will play the Republic of Ireland on Tuesday, April 11th, 630 here in St. Louis. I've got my tickets and you'll be on that 26 person roster. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Never take that for granted. (laughs) We're excited to have you back. And before the game, even more excited that I found out we get to honor you for your historic, although already surpassed, 200th cap. Um, what do you think about that? And we get to do that in pregame, right? Yeah, yeah. It's very much a tradition, almost like a ceremony with the national team that when you hit 100, 200, or even 300, the few people that have, um, that there is this little pregame ceremony where, you know, friends and family get to walk out onto the field and there's some photo ops and things like that. But it's super special for me that it's going to be in St. Louis. Great. Fantastic. And it should be. This is where it definitely should be. And on top of that, I know, you know, you've played at venues all over the world, but to bring it to the local scene, you've gone from playing the youth club circuit probably all over just like my kids do when you were at jb marine to playing at bush stadium so soccer field on a baseball diamond to having ladue high school soccer stadium renamed uh, in your honor but now returning to st louis for the cap and playing in a brand new soccer specific stadium city park how's that for hometown progression i i love to see it i've always wanted st louis to have you know an mls side uh, and and an NWSL side, but I know that MLS first for this one. Um, and to have such a beautiful stadium, soccer specific, it's so great to see. I feel like it's a long time coming with the history that St. Louis has with soccer, um, but it's great that it is finally happening. Well, coming off the positive results from the February She Believes Cups, got the results that we wanted. Let's talk about the friendlies because those friendlies aren't necessarily always about just being friendly. It's it's mm. great that we get to see you play here in St. Louis, but there's a purpose. Um, so besides getting to see you play and warming up and getting touches, is there something or are there things specifically that the the team, the national team is looking to accomplish or even adjust before heading off into the World Cup? Oh, absolutely. I think there is a lot of time between now and the start of the World Cup First off is the actual personnel that's going to make up that 23-woman roster. And I, so I think for, you know, the technical staff, this camp is so important because you're getting looks pretty much the last camp before the roster is going to be announced. And so for players, 
it's still very much about evaluation, making sure that you're in form and performing well. And then when you look even more inside at the tactics, um, at the the little themes and patterns that we want to see on the field, like any time that we're together, it's precious time to work on those little details that make such a difference at these world events. I mean, it's the details that win you or lose you a World Cup. So speaking of that, I kind of got the message that also it's not necessarily final just because you're selected right now. There are players that are doing their utmost and some of them are really coming out in the NWSL on fire. Adjustments could be made. Oh, absolutely. Until until the roster is announced, there is a chance. And that's what's so great about this American side is that I don't know how Vlaco, the coach, is going to be able to whittle down all the talent that we have into just 23 because there is so much depth at so many positions. And so I do not envy him his job. Um, but the fact that there is so many games left in the NWSL and that it is very important to be informed and to play well in the NWSL in order to make the World Cup roster. The fact that there's just still so many games, like so much soccer left, so many opportunities. So all the players really like nothing is final. That makes sense. The World Cup will be played, as you said, in New Zealand and Austria, Australia. I almost say Austria all the time. Australia. <laughs> July 20th through August 20th, the U.S. women are the defending champions. And Becky, this is your fourth World Cup. Um, So a two-part question. Who is the opponent to look out for in Group E? Um, Vietnam, Netherlands, and Portugal. And assuming best of the best that we go all the way, who do you think we're going to see in the final? Ooh, okay. So if I am at the World Cup, never, it's not final yet, um, I would say that the easy answer would be, you know, you have to look out for the Netherlands in our group because they are historically a very quality side, um, have won Euros, have done, you know, we played them in the final of 2019, so have done really well in these tournaments. But I will say that a team like Portugal, who just qualified, they had to do a playoff um, in order to get into the World Cup, that those types of teams that have already been under immense pressure to make it even into the World Tournament, Um, you need to watch out for them because all it takes is momentum and some belief. And so I think you need to to watch out for sides like that. And if we take care of business and we're all the way in the final, I have no idea who we're going to play because so many teams are so good. And all it takes is a team that can get it together for three weeks. And maybe it's riding momentum or maybe they're just playing amazing soccer and they have been for a long time. You just never know. So I couldn't tell you who because honestly, it could be too many teams. I well, just list everybody on the Yeah, momentum says a lot, right? It means oh. uh, St. Louis City right now is defying all odds, you know, riding high on a five-game winning streak with momentum. So we'll take it where we can get it, right? Oh, my gosh. You can, in sports, and soccer in particular, momentum is so huge. And if you look at it in a tournament, riding that momentum, it'll take you so far into the, into the tournament. And so I'm so happy for City. I mean, obviously, I can't see, but I'm repping the, the team team jersey uh it's so great to see an expansion side do so well um these first few games of the season well fantastic so final topic because it wouldn't we're in nwsl season we've already kicked off games um kicked it off at the end of march we not only have that though going on we've got concurrently world cup challenge cup in addition the nwsl has invested in var i know referee friends who are very excited about that Plus, we'll have decision day. I know that'll be a day that I don't get anything done around the house at the end of the regular season, where if people don't know, all 12 teams get to play at the same time. These kinds of things, Becky, what do you think that says for the growth of the league? 
I think that we're moving in the right direction. And I think, you know, adding VAR and all these separate competitions that you see in the men's side, you see on the women's side overseas, but not yet here in the States, um, you see that it's it's getting there. Like this league and and the interest and the investment around women's soccer, it, it's definitely improving. And that's what we've wanted for so long. And to to finally see that and to know that there's interest around seeing those things is huge for our sport. Well, and because you alluded to it a little earlier, I will ask, I know we're focused on the present and focused on you playing and coming here to St. Louis and going to the World Cup, so be it. But if for some reason, when it comes time for your playing days as they are now to be done, would you consider continuing as an NWSL coach, hopefully in St. Louis? <laughs> Honestly, I am open to all sorts of things. So if anybody wants to give me a call, um, you know, find my number somewhere out there. But uh, I'm keeping the door open on all these things. I know I want to stick around soccer. I just love it too much to to just stop when I hang up the boots. And um, so whether that's coaching or commenting or, you know, being a GM or front office, you know, I'm, I'm open to all sorts of those things. And if it takes me to the list, it does. I know that I know the fans would protest if you didn't. So so anyway, we can't wait to see you in St. Louis in uh, just a couple of weeks on the uh, new pitch here, Becky Sauerbrunn defender on the U S women's national soccer team, Portland Thorns. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you. Now back to the St. Louis city soccer report on America's sports voice. KMOX. Welcome back. We're going to round out this hour with Jeff Robin. Jeff, if you've, you've probably seen him, if not, have seen him play or coach around town. So goalkeeper, umsel player, St. Louis ambush. He's well, Jeff, you pretty much coach everywhere. I think the last couple in mind, St. Mary's boys, now a girls coach at Lutheran South. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Jen. I appreciate it very much, George. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. And you know what was really, really great was seeing you recently on Friday night at a packed house at the St. Louis Soccer Hall of Fame. Well, uh, congratulations on your induction. Thank you very much. You know, unbelievable honor. I'm humbled, to be honest with you. Um, When you're there, I've known for a while, but when you're there and you see all of the other guys with their green jackets on, and and now all of a sudden you're part of that group. You read the book and you see all the names of the people that have been inducted before you. Um, just overwhelming, to be perfectly honest with you. It still really hasn't hit me. Um, but uh, just really honored to be to be truthful. Well, and that was really something as I was hearing all the guys and all the the, the people talking and seeing the sea of green jackets that that everybody gets is that it has been a while since we were able to get together. You know, anybody can attend the dinner. Um, you will see previous inductees, you'll see the new inductees, and you'll see just a lot of people in soccer, and there are a lot of us. But since the pandemic, it has been really kind of a shutdown affair until a small thing last year, I think at the Rose on the Hill, and they were expecting Friday night, I hear, 650 people, and over 800 came to fill in the conference room at Union Station. That had to be quite a sight to see um, as a soccer player, as a soccer coach, and also as an inductee. Yeah, it was it was a great event. Jim Leaker and his crew do a fantastic job every year. I've been fortunate enough to have been to a couple of, of ceremonies. Uh, good friends of mine, Dave Bosdeck, Teddy Hantek, have been in, inducted, and I was there for those. Um, I got the Jimmy Dunn High School Coach of the Year Award nine years ago, and it certainly wasn't that many people at that. But, man, uh, just an impressive, uh, you know, sight. Uh, soccer people all soccer people in that room who, who support soccer people. 
and uh, it was impressive to say the least. Yeah, so Jeff, um, congratulations again, uh, and uh, I just wanted to maybe switch over to your time at St. Mary's High School and now at Lutheran South, and tell us a little bit about the high school scene right now and, and the quality of play at the high school level and maybe the path the kids start to take. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot going on, uh, both on the high school scene and on the club scene, and, and um, it's a highly, highly competitive situation now. You know, when I first got involved back in the olden days, ha-ha, um, you know, the private schools really ran things, and right. it's not the case anymore. The public schools are really, really, really competitive, and, uh, you know, it, it just makes for an overall competitive situation. District titles are, are really hard fought. Um, you know, you earn one of those. You, you've really done some good. Um, and, uh, you know, I just – I just find the high school game uh, a little bit more challenging than the club because it's such a com- compressed schedule. You know, you're playing 20 games in probably two two and a half months. Um, on the girls' side, it's even shorter. Um, you're practicing every day, and it's just it's a tough it's a grind. It's a it's a true grind. Whereas the club situation, maybe not every day. Um, maybe a game a week, maybe two, but you know, the reality of it is, is that, you know, it's, it's really competitive. Um, I've enjoyed my time on the high school side of things. Um, I've had a lot of opportunities to get involved on the club side and to be perfectly honest with you, I've really just enjoyed my time uh, on the high school side and has stayed there. Um, like you said, I started at St. Mary's high school with the boys and then, uh, after I became head coach, I then took the head coaching position at Notre Dame, and I was at those programs for for 15 plus years as a head coach. 25 years at St. Mary's, it was my alma mater, um, and just really, really proud of the things that I was able to accomplish while I was at St. Mary's. Um, but moved on from both of those schools, um, and like you said, I'm currently the girls' coach at Lutheran South, and, and I'm an assistant on, on uh, Viani staff. Uh, my son is a junior at Viani, and so. Uh, I'm just really, really excited about the opportunity to be able to, to coach him. I coached my daughter when she was, my daughter Bailey, uh, when she was at, at Notre Dame, and, and that was one of uh, the things that, that really uh, stand out to me, memory things from the high school game. I was coaching my daughter and now coaching my son, Owen. Well, I got to coach Owen. Jen and I both got to coach Owen a little bit. Um, and uh, I got to he, make him run a little. He, he, <laughs> Good. He needs that. Jeff, he's a little bigger than you. He is now, man. He's a lot bigger than me. I don't know where that came from, but you know what? I'm not arguing, and he certainly isn't either. Uh, I made a comment or I made reference uh, Friday night about the fact that, you know, chip off the old block, and um, it, it's true. I mean, he, he's a student of the game and, and he's a workhorse. The kid works out constantly. I think he's at the gym now, but, uh, you know, he loves the position. He loves the challenge of the position. Um, I, I work with him a lot and, and he loves it. And I love working with him and, uh, yeah, he, he there's something, you know, he's, he's me but he's bigger, you know, which is like, holy cow, you know? So it's great. It's great. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm blessed to have had to have two great kids, but uh, they played soccer for me, playing soccer for me. Uh, and just to be able to watch him in, in that capacity is, was just a thrill for me and is a thrill. Jeff, this is Nate Gatter. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. I think I probably owe you an apology because so George, we've been talking with George about respecting the refs and, and all of that, what players and fans have to do to be part of a positive ex- experience. I have to confess to you. 
I was a freshman at Clayton High School in the fall of 2010 when your St. Mary's team won state getting past uh, my beloved Greyhounds in the semifinals. And I was there with my best friend. His older brother was a senior and a starting fullback for the Clayton team. And I think we probably said some offensive things to you at the time. So if you've been still thinking about those decade plus later, I just wanted to give you an official apology and cleanse my conscience. Hey, no problem at all. All, all done uh, in the heat of battle for sure. I remember that year. That was, that was probably one of the highlights for me uh, from a coaching standpoint. Um, that 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 game was against my former collegiate coach Tom Redman. Yeah. Um, Tom was a head coach at Clayton High School for many many years after he coached at Umsel, and uh, a lot a lot of respect for Tom. Uh, always has good programs. Always makes the most with the talent that he has. Um, but that was an outstanding Final Four. Um, great game. Clayton had a really good year that season, and uh, you know just a battle of two really good teams, um, and. Uh, what stands out to me that particular weekend was it was out at the soccer park and it, you talk about Friday night to see a green with the green jackets. The soccer park was full of of folks in green that year uh, for both the semifinal and the final. And I remember kids asking me after the game, Coach, who are all these people? And I told them, I said, guys, I said these are alums, you know, these are dragons, and and they come out of the woodwork for stuff like this. And it was a really cool experience. We finished it off in style and beat a, beat a really good Smithville team from Kansas City area. Um, but that team holds a special place in my heart, no question about it. Well, you mentioned something, too, um, Jeff, about you know, high school and club. So we, and the fact that some of us on this call are a little older than some others that are on this call. Um, but many of us remember high school days in club where it was a little bit easier. The, the seasons were a little bit more defined. You did do both. There was not a problem with doing both. There weren't Misha rules in, in didn't, didn't need to be there. How tough is that on the high school side to have? I mean, I know I do my mindset work with coach with, working coaching excuse me with athletes who many times when it comes a we're getting to that march period or we're getting to that period in the summer and it's like do i stay with my club do i play with high school and the clubs you know certainly want to keep their players and keep going the way they are and the high schools certainly want to have the players come in and high school's challenging because the teams change every year has that gotten harder as much as it feels like it has I think it has for some programs. Uh, I haven't experienced it. I didn't experience it at Notre Dame or St. Mary's, and I'm not experiencing it now at Lutheran South or, or even at Vianney. Um, but I know it goes on, and, and, and I know it's a tough pull, you know, for, for kids to make that decision. You know, should I stay with my club team? Should I continue this academy process? Should I, you know? Um, I, I just there's something about the high school season, you know, when you go to a game and and, and your your student body is out there cheering you guys on, you know, uh, a Saturday afternoon game or uh, you know, there's something about that. And, and and if kids are choosing to go and do that club thing because they think it's going to give them a better opportunity, you know, for for college or for for down the road, possibly a career. Um, hey, I'm not going to argue with you, and I'm not going to tell you, hey, don't go do that. Um, but I just think that there's something special about high school soccer. Uh, it's a community. Um, you're, you're playing with your friends. You're playing in front of your friends. You're playing against some of your friends. Yeah, you are, really. Um, guys you might even play club ball with, you know. And so um, I just think that there's something special about it. I tell people all the time, you know, I went to grade school, and I had friends in grade school, and I went to college and had friends in college. 
the guys that I hang out with and I'm, I'm good friends with are guys that I went to high school with. Yeah, and, and, it's, it's and those are the lasting, yeah, the lasting relationships you make with people. Yeah, and it's, it's our, we have a 14-year-old who's currently coming off meniscus injury, so she's missing a little bit, but we, we keep in touch with the team, and right now she's in that trapped year. So she's an eighth grader, yeah. we've got ninth graders, and that's a hard year. But it is really interesting and kind of fun on the parent group, me. You know, normally we've got girls playing together, and I certainly do miss that. They're a really good team. They're Lufu's GA team. But it is kind of fun to see some of the – it's like so-and-so is going to be playing so-and-so in these two high schools yeah. and seeing teammates on the club side matching up against one another and, you know, getting the pictures afterwards. That's fun. Well, the other cool thing, and, and I just experienced this the other night. I, I train a goal. I, I have a little stable of goalkeepers that I do training with, and – a goalkeeper that I trained for quite a while just started her high school career uh, as a freshman at Northwest High School. And uh, she's playing with her sister. You know, so I think that there are situations in high school where siblings are playing together where they've never played together before because of the club yes, situation. Yes, we have that too. Yeah. And Absolutely. I think that's awesome. That's fantastic, you know. And, and, and you know, I, I just thought it was so cool for Kylie. She's a great kid. Her parents are great people. And, and her older sister, I'm sure, ah, here comes tag-along little sister again. But, you know, now she's not little sister anymore. You know, now she's a, <laughs> she's a counted-on member of, of their team. And, and Kylie's doing a great job. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, Jeff Robin, thank you for taking some time on a Sunday evening. I hope you've had as spectacular a weekend as it looked like you were going to have on Friday. And congratulations on your induction. It's carried over, and believe me, you know, the, it's still, the buzz is still there, and, and big smile, and, and I'm still getting text messages and, and, and you know, Facebook uh, replies to posts and stuff, and it's awesome. It's just been fantastic, and, you know, for me now, I'm a lifetime member. Great, Jess. You know? we'll and, see and you so that's really cool. We'll see you somewhere on the pitch. Jen, George, thank you guys very much. Thanks. Well, Jen, uh, this is going to be all again for another week of the St. Louis City Soccer Report. It's been great to have uh, both of you here, Jen Cease, George Cancer with us. Uh, hopefully, City can improve on the one-no loss. I'm ringing the alarm bells a little bit more than you are. Uh, but I think it'll be fun to see them, even if Seattle are a great team, to see a team that's not going to sit deep. Right? Seattle will play well, their it's way. It's hard to play to win when the other team's playing not to lose. For sure. <laughs> For sure. No, that's a great way to put it. And I'm just wondering, hopefully the Sounders come out like we think they're going to come out. Let's see what we can do. I think there's going to be a surprising amount on the line for the Sounders next week. I think they look at themselves as the kings of the league and City are the upstarts. And, and it's Nerwinski's going to put, score. We yes, it. time to put little brother in their place. For George Gansner, Jen Sees, Kyle Sixta with us here in the studio. Nate Gatter saying good night. Thanks for joining us. This has been the St. Louis City Soccer Report on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.